welcome to the Dairy Dialogue podcast for January the 25th, 2019. A month after the big day for many of us, not sure exactly where January has gone, because next Friday it's February. On the bright side, although it's not exactly bright outside, the days are starting to get a little longer in the Northern Hemisphere and the emails are already starting to come in with all of the events for 2019. So it's probably time to start planning which ones to go to. Well, within our budget, that is, no business class flights to Asia on the horizon, I'm afraid. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter, and I'm pleased to say that the three interviews that I predicted at the end of last week's show are actually in this week's programme, which means that it's a podcast debut for our US reporter, Beth Newhart, who was at the Winter Fancy Food Show in San Francisco, which got her out of the Chicago office for a few days. Not that there's anything wrong with Chicago, although I'm not getting into the Cubs and White Sox debate. At the annual event, Beth talked to the Specialty Foods Association and Rumiano Cheese. And, to prove that I actually did something as well this week, there's an interview with Yofix Probiotics Limited from Israel, the winner of PepsiCo's European Nutrition Greenhouse Programme 2018. And, of course, we take a weekly look at the global dairy markets with INTL FC Stone. So, first up this week is the Winter Fancy Food Show, which took place in San Francisco earlier in the month. It's the largest West Coast marketplace devoted to specialty food and beverage producers and buyers, and it showcases more than 90,000 food products from 1,400 exhibitors. And our reporter Beth Newhart sat down with Specialty Foods Association President Phil Kafarakis to discuss show updates and specialty food trends to come. So for us, the um, the effects of qualification mm-hmm. and shutting the show down, so it becomes more business to business, and we are attracting now buyers from multiple segments beyond just independent retailers, has really starting to pay off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are having record attendance, qualified attendee, buyer attendees from the food service community, and particularly uh, health and wellness, uh, healthcare segments. The retailer community, the independent retailer community, which is our base, but we're drawing large national chains. We've got regional chains. We've got people from Amazon walking the floor. We actually uh, have got some other social media platforms uh, that are in the retail environment walking the floor. We're really starting to reach out beyond uh, you know, our traditional roots we're yeah. in retail. And... Um, we're really excited about that because part of that has to do with all the great innovation in our history mm-hmm. of innovation products, but it's also now linked to a grand, brand spanking new re, repositioned education platform that is much more engaging, much more specific, so it's aligned to product categories, showcases innovators. You witnessed a couple of our sessions. Yeah. Uh, the production and the experience is um, much more entertaining and it has a little bit of a different look, more contemporary, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think for us those are new things that people can start to expect and then they'll see us enhance them. Mm-hmm. So what was the thought process behind doing the education and why now? Yeah, great question. We do a lot of, we've done a lot of research and in, in the, after the shows, both shows, and we've really the last two years have seen a tremendous need and interest in people understanding what is happening in product categories, product trends, 
we also have a very large membership that's makers and they want to know, they want to be educated on how do they bring their business to the next level, how do they start a business, uh, you know, how do they ac actually get involved in a supply chain that's blurring. So the education side of what we do is really important. Okay. And as an association, uh, we've got to do a better job of communicating that value proposition. People have always known us for the show. And frankly, our research indicated a lot of people didn't know that it was SFA, the Specialty Food Association, that does the Fancy Food Show. Right. So we're trying to change that dynamic. We're going to open up our membership uh, and have a more um, accessible path to the show. Uh, so you come in, be part of the learning environment, you can spend Saturday here and learn about our basics program. Our maker sessions can help you, depending on where you are, um, on whether you want to hire a broker, how you find a co-packer, how do you build a, uh, a click and collect uh, you know, electronic platform, and it's all taught by industry leaders and subject matter experts. I was just at the, the women leadership one and that was great. They I were all it. fantastic. I it love was that so one. good, yeah. Again, new for us, mm -hmm. but that's through a partnership, again, yeah. with Seeds and Chips, uh, who are folks that share our values, they're global. And we sat down and talked about how do we take innovators, disruptors, and the work they're doing in food and showcase it to our community so people can learn from it. And that has to do, again, with the peer-to-peer -peer and best practices of learning from each other, but it's, it's part of an education platform, which is engaging, and uh, we'll continue to promote and do more of that now that we have space. We've traditionally been limited by the space. That whole area you were in mm -hmm. is brand new. Okay. Yeah, it seems very fancy and shiny. Yeah. It's all, we're so delighted that it's open and airy, right. and the South Tower now has levels where we can do these kinds of things. It's restrictive in New York as well. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Are you going to continue the education and the yeah. summer fancy food as well? Yeah, we're definitely. I didn't attend fancy food like this past summer. So. Yeah. So we're definitely going to extend it. We're creating... Uh, edu education sessions and stages. Okay. It's a different experience in New York because the spaces are limited, but yeah. we're maximizing those spaces. And New York is also going through an expansion. Mm. So they will be building a very similar concept. It's a four-story tower oh, okay. on the north end that will allow us to build the attractions and uh, be able to... Um, bring in partnerships like the ones we have with uh, Future Market, which is there, with Seeds and Chips, and expand those. We're actually doing some work with the National Grocery Association. Uh, they have buyers, they want to see innovation, we have the innovation, we're sharing the communities. Great. Do you have anything that you've seen this year, any changes in the industry that you've noticed, trends that um, we're kind of seeing on the show this year? Yeah, the whole, at a high level, the whole functional beverage thing yeah, has exploded. Definitely. Multiple, multiple ways. And, and the whole cold, hot, you know, mm -hmm. is going crazy. Cheese and dairy, it's all about plant-based, the vegan thing. Um, really, really uh, a subcategory that now has taken off. And so they take maybe a couple of years to kind of figure out uh, what they're about and then all of a sudden the next thing you know it's vegan cheese and plant-based cheese and different varietals and what do you think are the biggest challenges that the market's facing right now yeah i think it's the disruption of the retailer right so the channels have blurred so much and restaurants are in retail stores and retail stores are in restaurants and you can't go anywhere without having a food option. 
So I think this whole how do you get to the marketplace, directly to the marketplace, inside that supply chain, there's just a tremendous amount of chaos. So as young brands come forward, the advice I give them is really be focused on who you are first. And by that I mean, what is the ethos of the company that starts with the love of what you have for what you're producing? Uh, and then get as close to that community that shares that same ethos through social media. There's tons of ways to do it. And that's the beginnings of really addressing the supply chain. Just jumping in and trying to figure out how you're going to get to market without really understanding your own capabilities. It's got to be done in phases. And then, you know, there's, there's opportunities, whether it's traditional distribution or uh, it's very select. Um, I think the biggest challenge though is that path to market. Everybody's got great products. They have phenomenal, you know, abilities to solve problems. Great packaging. They kind of understand who that co- who that consumer is, but then they try to go get everybody. You know, so if they stay tight, build it, build a community, go deep in that community, the supply chain will play itself out. But everybody's scrambling. You know, the Whole Foods thing and Amazon it hasn't played itself out, but it that's disruptive. I, I'm a big fan of what's everybody's starting to talk about, click and collect, how the retail environment is going to merge. Um, that's important because if you build a community of that relationship with people as a brand, then you direct them to a store, everybody wins. The retailer wins because you're helping the retailer bring people in. But that's one area I would be really focused on as it relates to um, challenges that could really cause a business to fail fast. And then there's brand reputation risk. Right. I feel like the market has changed so much in the last five years, especially with technology and everything that you just said. So I guess, how do you see it changing in the next five years? So the accelerated rate of change, right? So this whole notion of um, change happening much faster in shorter windows. I think, again, there's a notion of planning out how far you want to go with the brand or the business. So is this a lifestyle business? Is this a lifestyle brand? Is this a community-based company that that might be a B Corp? What is that ultimate goal in your business plan? And where where are you headed with it? Are you going to try to bring it to market, get some distribution, flip it to a VC? All that starts early, and I think if you don't have that figured out, you're going to get swept up in where the market takes you. And back to everybody says fail fast. Yeah, fail fast is fine, but you're, you're going to need to fail faster and come back faster. Uh, so I think that notion of planning and understanding how far you want to take your brand is going to actually at least put you on your time frame. So as the market changes, you have an opportunity to adjust. I just don't think you just get in there and let it take you. Uh, it's like a bad tidal wave. Do you think there's much of a difference in the, the specialty foods market in the U.S. versus other countries uh, based on how big the United States is and shipping yeah. and online and things like that? Actually, I think other countries, as I've traveled the world, are much more advanced in specialty foods really? than we are because they are more uh, experimental and the options in their food supply because of their local nature in most parts of the world are vastly abundant. Um, so I, that's where the innovation comes from. The, the inspiration for the innovation uh, is there. I, and that's why international is such a big part of our 
you know, show, and we've got international pavilions that go beyond the classical ethnic foods. Uh, but there's some tremendous innovation in some of these country pavilions. Also at the show, Beth talked to California-based Rumiano Cheese Company, which celebrates its 100th year of operation in 2019. CEO Joe Baird talked about the company and what's ahead for the specialty cheese market. This is the 100th year of the, of the company. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always been a California company. Um, started north of Sacramento uh, in, in you know, 1919, uh, but uh, grew steadily. Uh, through the first and second generation. During the World War II, it became the largest cheese company in the United States. Contracted with the government, and they grew very, very rapidly. And they started cheese company plants all up and down really the West Coast. Um, war ended, demand went away, and they kept the plants that really were from the very best milksheds. And so that happened to be up on the Northern California coast. Um, so it's, uh, so we carry that tradition on today, which is 24 independent farmers uh, who are uh, dairy farming in that milk shed that's up there, which is really the, the think of it as the wettest, uh, most temperate place in California. Um, so unlike the Central Valley where, you know, it's hot and cold and not a lot of pasture, uh, you know, we have, um, our farmers average over 300 days a year on pasture. Uh, natural grass, uh, you know, just a rich system up there for cows. And what that's translated to, I guess, a couple of things. One is, you know, we just, the components of the milk uh, outstrip any other place in the West Coast. Well, certainly in California. Uh, there may be a few places tucked away in Clayton, Washington, Oregon, but really in terms of, it's just from a, a shed, just really produces milk that has components that are off the charts. During kind of early part of the last century, it became known as the, the butter capital of the West Coast. Uh, so because of this, this Jersey cows and this rich grass that was, was produced in that. So that's what we carry on today, which really gives us a foundation to do some things that, um, as example, we were really pioneers in the organic space because it's relatively easy to have super high quality organic in a place that always has grass. So versus feeding grain, outside silage, that sort of thing, which can be both expensive as well as really tough to control. Uh, we have an environment that really is ideally suited for this kind of dairy. Mm -hmm. And so kind of that allows us to really take high quality inputs and turn it into kind of a variety of what we consider to be kind of the better for you, really best for you products. Um, yeah, so what is uh, new at the show this year? Anything that you're showcasing? Yeah, there's... Um, there's one which is a brand new product line, okay. uh, which is our Redwood Coast line. All North Coast milk, uh, really designed to, to be uh, a hometown favorite, uh, so in this north northwest area. So we're experimenting with both flavors as well as superfoods in that line. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really excited about that. We're looking at things could be like elderberry, black currants, could be a, you know, any number of things mm -hmm. uh, that we're looking at in conjunction with kind of normal fruits and spices. Yeah. So we're going to be rolling out a kind of a series of small batch products mm -hmm. that we'll release locally, uh, and then as we get traction with various things, we'll we'll take those to a broader audience. So in the the wider cheese industry, I guess, how do you think it is, the the market is changing now? I guess in the last five years or so, or, or even this year. I mean, there's been mm -hmm. so much going on with the U.S. dairy industry this yeah. year. Uh, incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging, 
But we're also very optimistic. You know, we get out of bed every day trying to figure out how we keep 24 farms viable. And, you know, we look at, I guess, um, kind of two or three different dimensions. Uh, one is a range of better few options. So historically, it was zero or one, either conventional or organic. Uh, we think that over time, there'll be a kind of a various number of options. So it could be, as example, it could be a pasture-based, non-GMO cheese that's not organic. Uh, for uh, it's a great product, but you know it could be uh, accessible to a different uh, a different audience. Mm -hmm. On the other side, you know we may have audiences that really want uh, a beyond organic, a regenerative agriculture that we know is building soil health, and really can we can prove that. And so, so we think that there's a spectrum of options that that we think needs to be brought to the market. Um, so you mentioned before you're working with uh, superfoods, elderberry things like that, in your cheese flavors. So. Do you think that that's kind of a response to, um, you know, everyone is sort of diving into those functional ingredients, mm -hmm. whether it be food or beverages, mm -hmm. very common. Um, is that kind of a, a wider trend that you yeah. guys are tapping into? Yeah. And again, with the, uh, and we're in the, you know, we're in several different related businesses. Some of our products are luxury products, for, yeah. you know, in terms of some of the aged cheeses, but a lot of it is nutrition. Mm -hmm. So in terms of food, it, food is, uh, is medicine, food is nutrition. Uh, you know, we think that cheese is not only a Clearly it's a great flavor delivery, but also in terms of, can we also, on top of flavor, can we deliver other things that are really nutritionally can, can enhance that? And so these are early stages of this, uh, but we believe that there is really a, there's a set of consumers that we believe that it matters to, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to see that roll out in market. And next this week is a look at a new product, a dairy-free, soy-free yogurt alternative from Yofix Probiotics Limited, the winner of PepsiCo's European Nutrition Greenhouse Program 2018. Steve Grun, CEO of Yofix, talked with us about the launch with Strauss Dairies in Israel last month under the Only brand. And I started by asking about the background to the award. Uh, the thing is that uh, PepsiCo is organizing for the second time, they are organizing um, uh, this uh, acceleration program uh, for European food tech startups. And uh, you had to enlist uh, by the end of June, uh, if I remember well, or maybe end of, uh, yeah, something like in June we had to, uh, uh, we had to enlist. And then uh, there were like uh, ten companies from the all from all the uh, companies that enlisted. The two ten were chosen as finalists. It went to a committee uh, uh, of a couple of people of, uh, that are not related to PepsiCo, so not PepsiCo people. It was like a, um, a, a special committee, and then they decide about ten companies to go to the finals based on uh, potential growth, based on uh, innovation, uh, in the, the innovative standard of the company, uh, the product, uh, and, um, and that's how we got into the program. So we were one of the uh, lucky 10. And um, um, yeah, so what, what's happening is that in the program, you're getting a so it's, it's more an acceleration program than an incubator program because uh, the participating startups are already in a more adv advanced stage and already selling their products on the market in, in some way. 
And uh, the good thing here is that it's a, it's a six-month program and it inhabits uh, almost all in virtual way. Um, so uh, we met, uh, we met uh, there was a gathering uh, three times. There was, was in Barcelona, was the kickoff, uh, the kickoff uh, gathering. And then we had like a mid-term gathering in uh, September in London. And then uh, there was the final uh, decision and the presentation in uh, in Mexico's offices uh, in in uh, in December, and um, in, in between we got a, a mentor, a PepsiCo mentor, and our mentor was Alina Imbrea from uh, from uh, PepsiCo uh, Bal from the Balkans. She's the uh, snack marketing director, and she uh, and she she gave us mentorship like. Uh, we were uh, on a really regular basis in contact uh, by phone, by Skype, and uh, she helped us uh, build our program um, of, uh, of uh, market market entrance in Europe, so branding and so on, branding and this and decision making more on a on the marketing and and sales base. So at the end. Uh, there were 10 companies uh, in the finals, and uh, there was a decision committee after we uh, all uh, had to, uh, um, how say, to, to give them a presentation about what, what we achieved in the last six months. And uh, based on those, uh, on those inform this information, they decided uh, to, uh, to give us, to grant us the 100,000 euros based on, uh, on, on what happened, uh, on what we achieved. Could you tell me a little bit about the product itself that won the award? Yes, for sure. Uh, so Yofix is a is a clean label. Um, Yofix is a clean label uh, plant based uh, dairy alternative company, and um, we have uh, created a, we invented a, um, a clean label uh, formula for the for our product. Um, and the first product that uh, that we have developed is the yogurt alternative. And the product is uh, is um, a result of uh, of years of research by uh, Ronen Lavi, who is the uh, founder of the company. And what happened is he's an agricultural mechanical engineer and he's lactose intolerant. And uh, he went uh, he went in, to work in Asia, and there was no problem with lactose intolerance in Asia because there's no milk almost. So he he was drinking uh, all kind of different plant-based milk there. And when he came back to uh, to Israel after eight years there, he just saw that there was not enough good clean label plant-based product on the market. So he decided decided to create them in the in his own kitchen. So what he did is uh, instead of working like a, a food scientist, uh, he just uh, went to the market and to the shops and he bought uh, all kinds of raw, uh, raw ingredients and he started uh, with live cultures to uh, ferment them, starting to do it in his own kitchen, till he got to a recipe uh, based on five ingredients. And uh, the five ingredients are oats, lentils, sunflower seeds, sesame and coconut so he called it the bio five uh, formula because it's uh, based on the five ingredients and it's uh, fermented so 
liquids uh, with biolife cultures in it. When, if, when we started to, to do it in the kitchen, he joined the, uh, the kitchen from, uh, the, from the Strauss group. It's an incubator from the Strauss. Uh, it's one of the leading food companies in Israel. So he joined the kitchen as the, the first company to join it. And there he got already, as an incubator, he got help, uh, all kinds of different help to uh, move the products from a kitchen product to a, a more scientific product. And afterwards, we just had more traction, having a, building a pilot plant in the beginning. And uh, today, we all got, we've got already a fully, uh, a fully operational uh, factory uh, producing our products. So coming back to, uh, to the recipe, the recipe is based on five ingredients compared to other companies who are normally basing their products on one unique ingredient. It normally, it's... Uh, could be soy, uh, companies like Alpro, Alpro. Uh, it could be uh, coconut, almonds, almond is more in, in America, and cashew. Uh, and normally it's a, it's a product that are based only on this, uh, one of those ingredients, that's the base, or sometimes they're combining uh, almonds and cashew. But no one has created a product based on five basic ingredients by producing with the five ingredients it enables us to keep the product as clean label because by combining the elements, the aspects, the five ingredients, you don't need to add any thickness, you don't need to add any emulsifiers, you don't need to add anything else. Obviously, it's very attractive because of that. What about the, the actual taste and mouthfeel? Our product is a much, full, much fuller product because in our production process, we are um, using all ingredients that, uh, that, that started the, uh, the process. So all, all ingredients stayed in the final product. So for instance, in soy uh, that we're not using, uh, you're, milking, you're milking the soy and you, you're left with all kinds of uh, dry matters like uh, called okara. Or in coconut, you, 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 you're kept with pulp. Or in almonds, uh, you're also kept with pulp. We are using all the, the full ingredients that we're using, we, we're keeping it in the product. So it's a fuller product and giving you a, a much uh, better feeling of satiety. It's thicker than a regular, uh, when you eat sometimes eating a, a, a plant-based uh, yogurt, it's very, very liquid. Uh, or it's sometimes uh, uh, less liquid because uh, they, they're adding uh, all kind of uh, thickness in it. Uh, we, are not, we are not adding anything. And the product is, has got a great texture and a great taste. Where's the product available currently? Yeah, we launched the product uh, in Israel two months ago. We're working together with Strauss, uh, the Strauss Food Group. We've got a brand together called Only, and uh, we, uh, we launched it nationwide. We were already in more than 1,500 shops for, uh, from the first month, and we're still uh, growing our... Uh, shops that are uh, taking the products. It's really crazy for us, uh, for being a startup and, and, and getting such a tremendous uh, expansion in, uh, in two, months, two months' time. Will it be exported in the future? Yeah, we're already planning uh, an international expansion. So uh, what I'm uh, doing, that, that's also where PepsiCo, uh, the Greenhouse program, uh, helped us, the Ormento, is in order to uh, launch it uh, we're starting to launch it in, uh, in, in, in Western Europe in a couple of months' time. 
So we're doing a totally new branding and, uh, and packaging and so on. And uh, we'll be launching it already in, uh, in Q2 of 2019, so in about uh, three, four months' time. And will you be launching other products, or is it really just a case of trying to work on this one first? So the thing is that we've got a very versatile production process. So we can change the, uh, the fluidity of the product by changing the, uh, the ingredients, like uh, changing the ratio of the ingredients. So we'll be able to do products in the future, like uh, a drinkable yogurt. Today, it's, uh, it's a really spoonable yogurt that we have. And we're also thinking about uh, doing all kinds of different products in this category of uh, of their alternatives, like uh, an alternative cream cheese and an alternative uh, base for uh, for sauce. So that's that's and also same thing about liquidity. We can uh, even use in a, in an ice cream product. So we're not at this moment we're not in the uh, in the yellow cheese or, or cheese alternative like the half cheese. That's not where we're going. We are more in the uh, in the in the cheese like cream cheese and uh, yogurts and. Even uh, even milk and coffee cream. That's that's the area where where we are today. And now it's time for our weekly look at the global dairy markets with INTL FC Stones Liam Fenton. Butter was uh, stable in futures this week. Uh, quarter two was trading around the forty-five fifty to forty-six hundred level again. Top trading mix between traders, end users, and processors. Good mix. Cream in comparison has been trading a bit lower at the 47 to 4800 level, down about 100 euros plus on the week. Physical butter has been trading with a bit of a carry. Uh, this has had February trading around the 4250 level, have a quarter two seemingly bid around the 4400 level, while the futures curve has continued to be relatively flat in comparison. Gimmel powder has been a little lower this week, trading closer to the 1950 level in February through June. Volumes were up this week as traders had a better feel for what they wanted to do. Cost was, we saw the last of the interventions uh, probably being sold today um, are pretty close to it. Demand continues to be strong from end users globally, and we should see Ramadan buying uh, ahead over the next couple of weeks, um, and, and that needs to be executed. We're starting to hear of more producers featuring in the market with wide variation in prices on the physical side. The future curve continues to be relatively flat uh, from February through September around the 1950 level. Way was trading higher, all right, futures close to around the 850 level as demand continues to remain strong in, in light of the tariffs in China and U.S. products. Okay, thanks a lot, Liam. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's all we have time for this week, or maybe it's all you have the patience for, and we thank you for listening. Next week, hopefully, we will have interviews with Arla Food Ingredients, talk to the organisers of the World Cheese Awards, which this year head to Northern Italy, and look at another award-winning product, this time an Australian packaging innovation. Thanks again. Talk to you next week.